0: So I want to just take a little few moments tonight. Uh, I developed this me- message a few weeks ago as I was thinking about this conference, and I'm not sure that I'm going to have time to really fully develop it tonight because of just the uh, kind of the brevity of this, this particular service. But I want to share some thoughts with you tonight about giving graciously. Giving graciously. We find here in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Bible says in verse number 1, For as touching the ministry to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which also I boast to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain, in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me, and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed at the same time confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they should go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye have notice, before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. Father, we're grateful tonight for this meeting and how we have been thrilled tonight, to, uh, Lord, to hear the testimonies. So think of Amanda and and, and uh, Ernesto and what you've called them to do and Then we have the Womack family here tonight, singing so wonderfully as a family, getting ready to launch out into South Africa to do mission work. We thank you, Lord, for Brother Roland and the part that he is playing in so many church plants every year across uh, this world through Baptist church planting ministries, carrying on, Lord, that ministry that Brother Jessup started so many years ago. And then, Lord, to hear tonight from Brother Jim and the start of this new church in New Matamoras, all these things stir our hearts, and we're grateful Grateful for the legacy of Cleveland Baptist Church. And Lord, I pray tonight for the next few moments that you give us clarity of thought and help us to say those things we should say. Lord, there's a lot here and is, that I, I would like to say, but I'm, I'm going to, uh, Lord, just kind of cut to the chase. So help us to do that, I pray, and help us to do it in a way that brings you honor and glory. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, most of us are aware that this church at Corinth uh, was not necessarily looked upon as being a really spiritual church. Uh, the entire first book of 1 Corinthians, almost all of it, Paul was writing to correct issues that were at play. And, and basically, he said to them, he said, part of my problem with you is that you, know, you should be further along in your Christian walk, but you're not. You're, you're still spiritual infants. Now, all of us that have been parents, and those of us who are grandparents, and those of us who have been around babies, we know how sweet and precious they really are. They are sweet things. There's nothing better than a baby But I also have to know that babies are incredibly selfish. Uh, They they really are. They're incredibly selfish. Most babies lack patience. Uh, They want what they want when they want it, and they don't care uh, if it disrupts you at all. You know, just the way that it is. Uh, They can disturb the peace, and they don't care if you're bothered by it. Babies are takers. Listen, babies are takers. They're not givers. Now, you say, well, they're give me love, they're they're showing me love. They're really not. You're just just absorbing because you love them so much. But babies are not givers, they're they're takers. That's what they are. And the reason for that is because they're babies. Well, this book of 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses those problems of the spiritual issues that were at play. And so this second book that he's writing now to this church at Corinth, he's writing because He's, he's had the response from the first book. So in other words, he sent that first letter. They responded well to his correction. And so now he's sitting down with the second letter to write to them, hey, I'm grateful for your response. And, and there's still some things that are at play. Now in our text, Paul shares his concern. You know, that first verse is maybe a little bit overwhelming to us. You know That word superfluous is not one that we use often. But what Paul was si- simply saying, he's saying, you know, it's kind of redundant for me to continue to write to you about this. You know what it's about. You know what I'm talking about. You know that I'm, I'm here about this offering. And so he's writing to them uh, regarding a unique offering that they had agreed to be a part of. So it's not like this is something he's springing on. This, this is something they've already agreed to. They understood that this offering was going to be taken. And, and a year earlier, they had really been excited about it. They had, uh, they had overwhelmingly said, yeah, we're in. We, we want to be a part of this offering that's going to be received. Now, we see that in verse number two, but however, some of the issues that have been played over the last year or so as Paul had to write that first letter to correct these things, because there have been some people that come in and kind of undermine some of Paul's ministry, Paul now was a little bit concerned that these people would not respond as they had promised to respond to this offering. He was concerned that they would not respond. So he sends a man by the name of Titus, one of his young mentored, young preachers that he had Trained, And he's sending him and two other unnamed people uh, to go to Achaia, the region of Achaia, that's where uh, Corinth was located, so that they might help that church get ready for this particular offering. So Paul shares with the Corinth some reasons that they should be involved with the offering, and he likewise shares with them how they should participate. So you're going to get some reasons, Paul said, in these two chapters, I'm going to give you some reasons why you should per- uh, participate in this offering. And then I'm going to give you some, uh, some thoughts about how you should participate. And that's really my thought tonight, because a missions conference really has as a goal to get the gospel to the world. That's why we're here, we're, because we've been given a mandate. The, the, the last command of Jesus Christ, go ye into all the world, has not yet been completed. We still have a world that needs to be reached. So we meet for a missions conference because there's still a mission that needs to be accomplished. But part of the goal, of course, is accomplished by an offering. And this offering is like the offering that Paul is raising. Now, Paul ra- was not not raising a mission offering. I, I want to be very transparent with you. He wasn't raising a mission offering, but he was raising what we call a grace offering. A grace offering simply is this. There's no mandate in the Scripture that says you have to participate. I don't find any, any mandate in the Scripture that tells me that I have to participate in this faith promise offering of our church. This is what we call a grace offering. We all know that the, the, the tithe is commanded of the Lord. I don't know that God ever changed his mind about the tithe. I still believe that the tithe is for New Testament believers like it was for the Old Testament. I have to just tell you, from participating in it through my life, I would not change it whatsoever because I know the blessing that comes out of being a tither. But this offering that we're talking about is not a tithe. This is above a tithe. This is what we call a grace offering. And this particular offering is not done because I have to, but it's done because I want to. Because I have a ready and a willing mind, and because I love the Lord, and I understand what he's asked us to do to get the the gospel to the world. Now, if somebody here tonight could figure out how to get the gospel to the world without raising money, I'd like to meet them after the service. Because it does take resources to reach the world with the gospel. And so, again, we're looking at this particular passage tonight. Now, let me give you really quickly some reasons to give. First of all, I find in chapter 9, in verse number 1, that one of the reasons I should give is because there is a need. Paul says in verse number 1 that this offering that he was raising was to minister to the saints. So there was a need there. He was raising a, a gift for the, from the Gentile churches that he was sending to the believers in, in, in uh, Jerusalem. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 14, these believers in, in Jerusalem had fallen on some hard times. So in other words, they, they, there was a difficulty there financially, and Paul's reasoning was, Look, you Gentile churches would not have the gospel had these folks not sacrificed to get you the gospel. Now they're having a hard time. It, it, and you're, you're seemingly blessed in some respects. You, you're doing better than them financially. If you could somehow help us with this offering, it would sure be a blessing to them. And so that was the, the, the offering that he was raising. Now this week, we're speaking of the great need of the world. Now I don't know, honestly, as I sat here tonight and And, of course, I've been a part of missions conferences here at Cleveland Baptist Church for, well, I guess, well, since 1970. So we're looking at what? That's about 52 years now? I think that's when Faith Promise was introduced here to this church. And I've been a part of almost every one of them, maybe an exception or two since I started this ministry. But for the most part, I've been a part of all of them. And I hear from this from our church all the time. When I was pastoring, I heard it. Hear, I'm still hearing it now. This is my favorite week of the year. I love missions conferences. I wouldn't miss the missions conference for anything. This is one of my favorite times. Why is that? Well, it's because, you know, we live in a world that so ma- there's so many Distractions. So so we love our church. We come to church on Sunday morning, we come to church on Sunday night, we come back on Wednesday night, but in the, in the between time, there seems like there's a lot going on in our life that just kind of distracts us from sometimes, you know, I know we're still Christians, we're still passing out tracts, we're still going about the, we're reading our Bibles, we're praying, but there's something about the missions conference that focuses on the main thing, which is reaching the world with the gospel. And I'm here to tell you tonight that the great need of the world is still that they would reach, receive the gospel. And in the ministry that I'm involved with, Spiritual Leadership Asia, listen, we're partnering with Asian nationals. So I'm thinking to myself how blessed we are here in America. And we sometimes bemoan our circumstances. You know, we, uh, we were talking tonight about the price of gasoline going up. Somebody just told me down the street it's down $4.15 a gallon. I filled my car up today, and it was almost $60 for my automobile to be filled with gasoline when it used to be 35 I can thank some people for that tonight, but I won't. I'll just skip that part of it, all right? But, but, the, but the truth of the matter is is that, you know, we, we sometimes bemoan our situation, saying, you know, well, it's hard, and, and, and everything's going up. And I get that because, I, I, you know, I, I pay the same bills you pay. But I want to tell you how blessed we are in America so I'm working with these Asian nationals and some of these nationals who are being reached in this 1040 window, many of the people in many of these places that we're talking about live on 5 to $10 a day. And we're supporting nationals, or we're, they're raising support anywhere from $350 to about maybe $1,500 a, a month to do this work that God has called them to do. And I'm just simply saying, Is there a need to help them? Of course there is. And this offering that we're talking about is because we love the Lord. And the Lord says, hey, would you help? When you do it to one of the least of these, you do it unto me. And so there's a need. So we should participate because there's a need. Secondly, they should have participated because they had made a promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, and these first five verses of chapter 9, Paul is reminding them, hey, you were ready a year ago. You made a promise that you were going to be involved in this. Now it's time to fulfill that promise. I'm not going to say a lot about that, but obviously uh, some trouble had been stirred up there in this church, and he was concerned that they weren't going to keep their promise. But Paul knew there was potential, and, and they, had, they could keep this promise if they really wanted to. You know, the Bible does speak to us about the importance of making a vow to the, to the Lord. And I don't have my card in front of me tonight that was on the table. I, I thought I'd put it in my pocket, but I don't have it in front of me. But there's no place on that card for your signature. It's a, it's a, it's a promise between you and the Lord. But I, I want you to understand, church, that when you fill that card out, it's not like you just fill it out and say, okay, I, if, if I think about it and I get around to it, I'm going to keep this promise. No, no. If you fill that card out, that's what you need to do. We make a promise to the Lord, and he expects us to, to do that. And I know there have been times in my life when it's not always been easy to fulfill that promise. But I'm glad that God gives grace, and so it's important that we do that. Number, number three, why, why should we involve Others are involved in giving. Paul points out two examples of generous givers here in this book of 2 Corinthians, specifically in chapter 8. In, in verses 1 through 3, he points to the churches of Macedonia. So Corinth is in Greece. Uh, we understand that, that uh, you know, the churches of Macedonia, Thessalonica, they would also be in Greece, but they were in different regions. So Macedonia was one region, Achaia was another region. So Paul, verses 1 through 3, says, hey, I do you wit. I want you to witness the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And he talks to, the, to these folks about the fact that the Macedonian churches were compare, poor compared to Corinth, yet they gave generously and above their power to give. So that's a great example to us to say, okay, here are some poor churches that are really involved in this idea of grace giving. But can I also tell you that in verse number nine, chapter eight, verse number nine, many times when I, folks will, you know, you have folks come up and say, well, you sign my Bible. And I, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I'm sometimes a little bit humbled by that. But, you know, when I sign my signature, I always want to put a verse. And I've often, uh, for the last, I don't know, probably 20, 25 years, when I've signed my uh, people's Bibles, I put 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That ye, through his poverty, might become rich. So you talk about a giver. We've got a God who gives to us. Should I be involved of course? Because I've got a God who is giving. I think to myself, as I've traveled across this country in the last several years and doing missions conferences and churches of all sizes, you know, are involved in this, but I'm also thinking about the mission churches that we've started. As I've been to to, uh, to the Ivory Coast of Africa, to Brother Mac's church, they have a faith promise giving program. As I've been to Brother Mickey's church in Kenya, in Burundi, in the Congo, they're involved. And I'm just simply saying, many of us go back to the years when our church was heavily invested in the works of Pastor Point in Haiti. And we remember those churches that were planted there and the works that were going on and how poor those people were. But when it was mission conference time, it was amazing to hear of their participation. They gave sacrificially and as an example to us. Now let me give you several thoughts about how to give. So that's why we should give. Let's, let's talk about how we should give. Which notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11, we should give proportionately. What's that mean? Well, look, verse number eight. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it that there, as there it was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance out of that which ye have. Readiness says, "I can give from what I have." Now, look, God knows what you have tonight. He knows what I have, and, and the truth of matters is, as we seek the Lord about our portion for this offering. Those who've been involved in giving to this offering for a while know that God can take care of those who give. There are some, perhaps, in this room that have far less than maybe others. But the giving is, they're giving, perhaps, of a a person that has less, maybe more significant in the sense that they're giving a greater proportion. The churches of Macedonia are referenced here, as I mentioned a moment ago, and these were churches that gave a, in Paul's mind, gave way beyond what he thought they could give, beyond their power to give. I remind you that, as I said, I believe it was last night, that no one is excused from giving simply because they, they don't think they have much. There are young children sitting here, and I'm telling you, you can be involved in this offering, and you should. The sooner our parents teach our children how to give to the Lord and give sacrificially, the better it's going to be for them throughout their life. Notice that we should give uh, we should give proportionately, but also we should give generously. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Paul is reasoning with them, and he says... But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man as he purposeth in his heart, so let, him, uh, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Paul indicates that these folks should give bountifully because it's like planting seeds. You know, again, I, I'm not much into horticulture or agriculture. I don't have a lot of experience in that. But I'm sure glad somebody does. And when somebody obviously is planting for the harvest, I'm glad that they put enough seed in the ground so that what seed is planted is multiplied and we get a whole lot more out from what we put in. Every farmer, every gardener knows they have a harvest. One must sow seed. There's no corn in the cob, no green beans, no tomatoes in late summer unless someone sows the seed and plants the plant. Now, the law of sowing and reaping, there are three th- thoughts about that very quickly. I mean, simply, you, you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap later than you sow. And all those three things play, apply into this offering. And Paul is using that as an illustration. He's saying, just as you'd sow seed, so let it be in, in this offering. Then he, I, I believe that there's another way we give. We give systematically. Most of us... Setting in this room, could not afford to give perhaps a large offering for missions once a year. Now, there may be some people that could do that. It may not be hard for them whatsoever, but for most people sitting in this room, the offering that you're going to give, uh, that you want to give, is, is obviously much larger than you could do at one, one point. Many times, 1 Corinthians 16 is pointed to as far as giving, as far as our tithe is concerned, and certainly I believe the application can be made there. But I want you to go back just real quickly and look at what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Because Paul, really, in that chapter, was referencing this particular offering. And I want you to notice what he says in verses 1 and 2. He says, Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches in Galatia, even so do ye. Now, notice what he says. Here it is, systematically. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So what's Paul saying? He's saying, look, you want to have a part in this offering, why don't you just begin to accumulate it, put it aside week by week by week. I'm just saying to us that most of us can give a whole lot more to this offering because we're going to give as God prospers us, as God blesses us. Now, you may be sitting here tonight and you may get a paycheck every week. That may be fine. There are many people sitting here that you get one maybe every other week and others get uh, once a month. And there may be some folks here you just get once a month. There may be some folks here that get quarterly. But I, I, however God works in your heart, if we systematically say, and on that card, I, I notice there's a weekly offering, there's a monthly offering, and, and uh, this is how much I'm going to give weekly, this is how much I'm going to give monthly. You just lay that out there. But that's a systematic way of giving to this particular offering, and that's the way we should give. Then can, can I mention to you we should not only give systematically, we should give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, God wants us to be joyful, cheerful givers. If you're going to give to this offering grudgingly. See, so this is a free will offering. I, I don't want anybody to think, and I, I'm sure pastor doesn't want anybody to think, that somebody's up here twisting your arms saying, you got to give. No, no, this is an offering I'm giving because I love the Lord and I love what God does in missions. And I, I'm just simply saying, I, I get to be, have a part of that, so do you. And so it, it's a wonderful thing, and I want to do that joyfully. I want to do that cheerfully. No one wants to receive a gift from someone who doesn't want to give it. Let's just simply say it's your birthday, and you got people coming to your house, and they show up, and it's your birthday party, and, and it's, it's now time to open the presents, and people are handing you the presents, but the person gives you the present, rips it back and says, I really don't want you to have this. And how about you, man? I may rip it out of their hands anyway, but the truth of the matter is not most people don't want to take a gift from somebody who doesn't want to give it. I don't suppose any of us would want to be involved in this offering. We didn't want to give it. But I, I want to want to remind you that all through history, God has always wanted his people to be willing, cheerful givers. Amen. Exodus chapter 35, verses 4 and 5, Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Listen to what he says. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord gold and silver and brass. A little bit later in that chapter in verses 21 and 22. And they came, everyone whose heart was stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of, to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets and earlings and, and rings and tab, uh, tablets and jewels of gold. And every man offered an off, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord." So I want you to know this is a free will offering that we're talking about for this, this uh, missions conference. I conclude tonight by just simply saying I was, um, I was taught as a child by my father very early in life about tithing. And I'm glad that he invested that in me. It wasn't just something we, he said, okay, listen to what the pastor says about tithing. I uh, often, uh, you know, I've never been one that's great on spelling. I've always had a, a hard time. I think I've, I'm maybe just a little bit dyslexic. So I've always had a hard time. And I still remember as a boy setting up in the old auditorium. And I can still see that first pulpit up there. And, and I remember walking in there one Sunday, and there was a sign on the pulpit. And here's what it said. Try tithing, it works. That's what it said. And I, and, and I walked in there, and I thought, try tithing, and it works. What on earth is tithing? And, and, uh, you know, again, it wasn't just something that I learned at church. It was something my parents taught me. My dad specifically hammered home in the life of his children. Look, when God gives you some money, uh, 10% of it isn't yours. It belongs to him. You give that to the Lord. Sometimes I learn that lesson the hard way, but I'm glad that I learned it. And I tell you, when I was in seventh grade about 52 years ago, and I was in seventh grade, The concept of faith-giving was introduced to this church, and I honestly didn't have a lot of money when I was in seventh grade. I had a little bit of lunch money. My parents gave us so much money every week for lunch, and so I understood that they gave that to me, so I needed to tithe off of that. And now we're talking about missions, and truthfully, I gave uh, to missions out of my lunch money. It wasn't a great amount of money, but for a seventh-grade boy, it seemed like a lot. Have you ever met a seventh-grade boy that doesn't like to eat or like to have a good lunch? I sure did. But I understood that, here, this is my opportunity to be involved. And it's where it began for me as a seventh-grade child to be involved in missions. Some of you, perhaps, this is a whole new concept. Maybe you're new to this church. You've never heard of faith, promise, giving, and you're going to get started. In, and it's not the size of the offering, the fact that you get started in it and then fulfill it. 52 years ago... I don't think there's ever been a time, and in fact, I know there's never been a time when we said, you know, we're not, I don't think we're going to participate this year. And our lives have changed a lot, and, and, and they can change a lot, but I'm just simply saying there's still opportunities for us to be involved, and we ought to be involved in this offering. This missions conference uh, is about an offering, Raised to Support Missions. Uh, some of the folks that are sitting here who have uh, served as, when I was the pastor as deacons, You you may remember we talked sometimes in some of those deacon's meetings, man, if we could ever get to the point where our church could give half a million dollars a year to missions. And that was a dream. Several years ago, our church was able to do that. And now to hear that our church is closing in at $800,000 a year, that just thrills my heart. That our church is that kind of giving church this thought of missions. So I want to encourage you, there's a great need to get the gospel of the world. The job of evangelizing and making disciples isn't complete. And there are places in our world that are unreached and some areas that are unengaged. And once again, this year, we focus on the need of sending more missionaries, reaching and partnering with folks who want to go places that you and I perhaps can never go. But they're going and we need to have a part in it. And the Bible says, as we give, it's fruit that abounds to our account. So let me encourage you tonight. You got tomorrow and then Sunday's here. And Sunday, it's about the offering. It's about raising this offering. I know it's about the Lord, but it's about the offering, too. Sunday's a great day in which we're going to participate in this offering. So I want to encourage you tonight as you're leaving here to say, okay, there are reasons I should be involved. And there are ways that I should be involved, the way that I give this offering. So I want to encourage you between now and then to really give some time in prayer, saying, God, I'm seeking you. I want to know. I want to know what my part should be. I want to have a part in what you're doing. And I want to show my love to you through this offering. So I pray that you'll allow that to be a case in your life. I know this is perhaps a little different uh, preaching that we've done this week, but I, I think sometimes it's just good to just to really just kind of bear down on just a few things and say, Here, here's some things you need to consider as you're moving towards Sunday for this offering. Let's